The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the future of cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in the automotive industry and its supporting ecosystem, and help them move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 welcome. Those of you who listen to our Game Changer shows know the number of welcomes I say indicates how many people are on the panel today. What's the buzz today? Well, here's a good one for you. Everybody loves Stephen Wright. And I have a Stephen Wright quote. I had to stop driving my car for a while. The tires got dizzy. Bada boom. Hey, Mr. Stephen Wright, I have news for you. Break time is over. It's time to get back in your car and head to the second annual Best Practices for Automotive Conference. It's happening in just a couple of weeks on October 17th to 19th. We are in 2016. Everybody knows that at the MGM Grand Hotel and Casino in Detroit, Michigan. Now, we don't usually promote events here on Game Changers Radio, but this is very special. And I have a little riddle for Stephen Wright in case he's listening. Yes, I am tweeting to him. Stephen Wright, what happens when you bring automotive geeks, nerds, and other thought leaders together at a roundtable and ask what's on their minds? The answer is you get the best practices for automotive conference. As a matter of fact, last year at the first annual event, it was considered the rebirth of the automotive industry. If that doesn't pack a punch, I don't know what does. And this year promises to be even more productive. So we're going to talk today with four of our automotive leaders from around the world, talk to them about what's going to happen at the event, what the attendees can look forward to, what the people who don't get there can look forward to in terms of hearing the buzz. Uh, We'll talk about digitization, digitalization, excuse me, cybercomputing, omni-channels, and new players in the automotive industry who are interacting in and disrupting markets. Why are they doing it? Well, they want to create exciting new possibilities. So let me get started. Let me tell you who's on the panel and then we'll introduce them. And yes, we will do the usual lineup with famous quotes from each of our panelists to find out what their point of view on the conference is. So we'll be joined today by Larry Stoley, sponsor of this series. He's our car guy, our official car guy, Senior Global Director for Automotive Marketing at SAP. Joining him also from SAP is Chet Harter, H-A-R-T-E-R, Senior Principal for the Automotive Industry in North America for SAP. We are joined, of course, by Auto Shell. How could we have a show without Auto Shell, the Global SAP Business Architect and SAP Center of Excellence Lead at GM. And rounding out the panel is uh, not our newcomer. He's been on the show before, Bill Powell, Director of Enterprise Architecture for Automotive Resources International, that's A-R-I, welcoming Bill back. Now, let's circle back to Larry, and Larry sent me a quote from somebody I've never heard of. The name of the quotee is Siddhartha Gautama, a.k.a. Buddha Shakyamuni, uh, which literally means the awakened one, to awaken from a sleep of ignorance and see things as they really are. Uh, This person is simply called the Buddha, and he was an ascetic and sage on whose teachings Buddhism was founded. 
He was believed to have lived and taught most. He may be a phantom. Taught mostly in the eastern part of ancient India between the sixth and fourth centuries B.C.E. Here is the quote Larry has selected: "There is no wealth like knowledge, and no poverty." Like ignorance, Larry Stoley. Welcome back to your own show. How are you, Larry? I'm good, Bonnie. How are you? Everything's uh, okay. Everything is good. I'm, I did you like my quote from Stephen Wright? Thinking of cars and tires and automotive, and we still got to put tires on them, right, Larry? Well, well, given the fact that I love to hear the wheels turn, I think that's an appropriate quote. Well, thank you. Great minds think alike. So, Larry, tell me a little bit about why you picked this quote, no wealth like knowledge, no poverty like ignorance. Very, very telling and very important. It's a philosophy quote, really, about philosophy it, it really of life. It's a, a philosophy and ideology and, and, and whatever. And honestly spoken, you know, I'm, I'm not a huge follower of, of any of these kinds of things, but this quote has special meaning to me. We all know the value of knowledge. We all know the the downside of ignorance. But, you know, in this quote, it's implied that there's something in the middle. That's the way I see this quote. That something in the middle is, you know there's something there, but you need to do something to understand it and learn it. And that's where we find most of our people today. They know there's something better. They know there's a way to do things differently and more effectively, efficiently. But you got to get out, you got to do it, you got to get around people who are thinking and, and so on. It's not important that you have the original thoughts, but if you mingle and merge with people who are thinking just like you, those thoughts will flow, those business ideas will flow. So, you know, everyone doesn't know everything, everyone is not ignorant, but somewhere in the middle, people know there's something better and they have to figure out how to grab it. Thank you, Larry. And I have a question for you before we move on to chat our second panelist today. Larry, I mentioned in my opening that in 2015, the inaugural Best Practices for Automotive Conference was considered the rebirth of the automotive industry. Now, if we go back to your quote from Buddha and we talk about the the wealth is knowledge and the poverty is ignorance, and I mentioned also you put a roundtable and you bring the geeks, the nerds, and the thought leaders together and you ask what's on their mind, was that an explosive, revelatory kind of an experience last year, the rebirth of the automotive industry is a very powerful statement, Larry. Is that really true? How? Why? It it, it comes at the end of a long period of trial in the automotive industry. And in, you know, 2007, 2008, not not all the fault of the auto industry, but the auto industry struggled quite, quite heavily. And through that struggle, they've emerged stronger, they've emerged smarter, they've emerged uh, much more uh, profitable and, and efficient in what they do. However, that has been gained a little bit at a time. And I think last year the prevailing thought at our event was, wow, we've really turned a corner. We're here. Let's, uh, let's keep this going and, and recognize that this is the inflection point. It's the sum of all we've done. Now let's spin that forward. Thank you very much, Larry. Very well put, and a pleasure always to speak with you. And now let's introduce our second panelist. He is Chet Harder. He's new to Game Changers. And Chet has sent us a quote, very interesting, not just for the quote, but the source. The source is Charles Kettering. Anybody doesn't know the name, he lived from 1876 to 1958. I like to think of 1958 as not that far ago, <laughs> 
because I was born before then. So I tried that. Well, that wasn't so long ago. Oh, yes, it was, Bonnie. Uh, Charles Kettering was an American inventor, engineer, businessman, and the holder of 186 patents. But why I think it's so important is that he was a founder of Delco, D-E-L-C-O, and the head of research at General Motors from 1920 to 1947. He, at DuPont, he was responsible for the development of Duco, D-U-C-O, lacquers and enamels, the first practical colored paints for mass-produced automobiles. Very, very interesting. He also developed the bug aerial torpedo, considering the world's first aerial missile. He was kind of, uh, yeah, he was kind of important. Among his also widely used automotive developments were the electrical starting motor and leaded gasoline. So thank you, Charles Kettering. Here's the quote Chet has selected. If you have always done it that way, it is probably wrong. Chet Harder, great quote. How are you today? I'm great, Bonnie. How are you doing? I'm well. Thanks for joining. So talk to me. Are you a big fan, follower of the late, great Charles Kettering? Very smart guy, by the way. Well, you know, here's the thing. You know, as I was looking through a, a various quotes that I've collected over the years, i, I got to say, I listened to Larry's quote there, and it's, it's so philosophical, and <laughs> uh, it makes you think about things. You know? and whereas, whereas my quote is just so simple. It's, it's basically saying you need to step back and take a look at the way you're doing things. And, and so many times we've heard people say that, you know, you need to you need to be open to change. But I'll tell you, I, as part of my job, I, I talk with customers year round. I talk with OEM customers. I talk with supplier customers. I talk with a lot of different types of customers. And and one of the things that's obvious to me is is they when they talk with us about things, they want to talk about change. They want to talk about how do we do things differently? How do we reduce costs? How do we provide better customer service? And all those types of things. But when you say, how do you do things today, and they describe it, it's always like, well, we do this once a day, and we do this three times a day, and I do this on an ongoing basis, and when this happens, I make a phone call. And when you question those things, you get these puzzled looks that are almost like, well, what are you talking about? It's, you know, we've always done it that way. Why would I change? And when you get under the covers, you find out that there's so many things that they're doing that are a result of systems they had you know, 20 years ago. And, those, and they might not even be systems that even exist anymore, but they continue to do the same business processes because that's the only way they could do it 20 years ago. And even though there's so many more capabilities now, they don't question those things. It's just we've always done it this way. The place I worked before I came here, we did it this way, and we continue mm-hmm. to do it this way. And they just need to open up their, their mind to say, wait a minute, we need to step back, start with a clean slate and say, how should we be doing things today based upon the tools we have today? And that's why I thought that was a very appropriate comment to say, take a look at those things you're doing today. You've always done that way. And let's, let's question it. Maybe it's not broken, but maybe you could be doing it a lot better. Very well put. Maybe it's not broken, but you could be doing it better. And it makes me think of a very, uh, very simple car metaphor, Chet. Uh, you may be spinning your wheels and really not even knowing it, right? You could be stuck in the mud and the car spinning the wheels. They say, well, wait a minute. We've always done it this way. Why aren't we moving forward? But I'll leave that one alone. Chet, it's a pleasure to meet you, and thank you for the interesting quote. Don't worry about Larry being philosophical. He'll come off that high perch in just a couple <laughs> minutes. It'll be fine. We'll, we'll humanize him. Don't worry. And speaking of humanize, we have Otto Shell on the panel. Otto is 
sent me a quote from Pablo Picasso. Big surprise coming from Otto at GM. Pablo, Pica- Pablo Picasso, in case anybody doesn't know his original name, his real name was Pablo Ruiz E. Picasso, 1881 to 1973. See, 1973 is even more recent than 1958. I'm talking to myself. He was a Spanish painter, sculptor, printmaker, ceramicist, stage designer, poet, and playwright. I didn't know he wrote plays, who spent most of his adult life in France, regarded as one of the greatest and most influential artists of the 20th century. He co-founded the Cubist Movement, the invention of constructed sculpture, the co-invention of collage. I didn't know anybody invented collage. And for the wide variety of styles. Now, uh, one more point here. His work is often categorized into periods. I didn't know this, and maybe Otto does. While the names of many of his later periods are debated, uh, they all had a color or a flower or something similarly uh, cultural. So uh, Pablo Picasso's work had the blue period from 1901 to 04, the rose period, 04 to 06, the African influence period, 07 to 09, analytic cubism, 09 to 12, synthetic cubism, 12 to 19, also referred to as the crystal period. Here is the quote Otto has selected. Action is the foundational key to all success. Otto Shell, you're a man of action. How have you been? I have been very, very, I'm deep in action. Don't worry about this. And uh, <laughs> actually, why I picked it, why I picked this quote, you you somehow described it. Uh, Pablo was very influential in in the in all around um, arts, and uh, he was also in different groups. And uh, when I I went to the event last year in 2015, where we had the first event in Detroit about automotive and SAP and. And you asked a lot of people where uh, thinking, does it make sense? Is it the right step to do? Because we have great experience in Europe about this. And people were very cautious going there. But at the end of the day, and Larry pointed it out, um, people were very interested. Some of them even didn't know what are, what's going on in the market, what are they offering. But the interesting part is that you meet always the same people because people in the automotive or people in the SAP world, don't much change their, their their willingness to work in these areas. They change companies, but they are still stay stable with what they are doing. So the, the quote I quick picked is very simple. I think from discussion from last year, what is it all about? Uh, within the last 12 months, a lot of discussion took place and the series we are doing with Larry and your support about all about cars is, is involving in this. We are going from caution into action. People understand that they have to move. People understand that they have to go into what we call digitalization in one or this way. Some may stay where they are in their, in their period because they, they see it still value-add. Some will change their models and will go into the future. And I think this year uh, what we are trying to do is going into this action spot to say how now we can translate all our ideas, uh, where we go with, uh, with business processes, with what is what cars means, what means connected, how we go there, and that's why I'm very excited uh, that we that we meet the, mostly the same people, I think, but a lot of others which gain interest in this. And again, we are now moving from caution into action. Thank you very much. I like that, Otto. Welcome back. How's the techno music in your car doing? You still using the same, the same uh, music that you sent me? I loved it, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I'm using uh, uh, now in my car uh, wireless in Germany, so I can connect to every radio station I want, and that is even much more fun. 
Wow, I like that. You are a man of action. Music too. Thank you, Otto. And let's welcome Bill Powell, Director of Enterprise Architecture for Automotive Resources International, known as ARI. And Bill has selected a quote from Winston Churchill. Sir Winston Churchill, I don't know if anybody put this following question on Jeopardy, Bill. I don't think anybody would get the answer, even uh, even our, our friend, uh, the IBM computer. Yes, I'm, I'm missing his name. Larry, who's the, the computer? Watson, 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 Watson of course. Watson. I had to think of Tom. Thomas B. Watson, yes, Watson. The, the full name for Winston Churchill is Sir Winston Leonard Spencer Dash Churchill, K G O M C H T D P C D L F R S R A. Whew. He was the Prime Minister of the UK from 1940 to 45, and again from 51 to 55. In 1963, he was the first of only eight people to be made an honorary citizen of the U.S. And interestingly enough, upon his death at age 90 in 1965, Queen Elizabeth II granted him the honor of a state funeral, which saw one of the largest assemblies of world statesmen in history. He was named the greatest Briton of all time in 2002 in a poll and widely regarded as being among the most influential people in British history, ranking well in opinion polls of prime ministers of the U.K. So there's for Winston Churchill. Here is the quote Bill has selected. Success is walking from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. Great quote. Bill Powell, how have you been? Hey, great, Bonnie. Thanks for having me back. We are delighted. You can thank Larry. He, he uh, said we got to have Bill Powell back, and here you are, so we're very thrilled. Bill, this is a wonderful quote from Winston Churchill, and it's even more important to me because he's talking about walking from failure to failure, and here we're talking about automotive. So we could say driving or motoring from, from failure to failure, whatever metaphor you want. Tell me how this applies to our topic today because I think it's a fabulous quote. I, I think it builds very nicely on top of everything that Larry, Chet, and Otto have talked about already. Uh, it's, if you're talking about being innovative, doing things differently, not doing things the same way, uh, making sure that action is part of your process. To, to, to do that and do that well, you have to make sure that you have this culture of um, failure is okay. Right? You have to make sure that you, you instill that, that failure is not looked at upon as a, as, a, as a bad thing. But yet uh, what we try to instill or what I typically work with pe- various people on is if, if you haven't failed, you're simply not trying hard enough. Right? You, you, no leapfrogging innovation has typically happened without some sort of failure, and you learn from that, and you progress forward, and you keep moving forward. So I just love that quote, and Churchill is a man of many words, and uh, some of his quotes are, are fantastic, and we usually have uh, some of those hanging up on our, on our office walls around here, so that's, that's one of my favorites. Really? Well, I love it. I really appreciate it. And, and we've talked about opening your mind and not getting stuck in the mud and moving forward and not realizing that we were talking with Chad about uh, you may not know that you, you there's new information out there. There are new ideas. There's forward motion. But this really, to me, Bill, it flips it onto the other side. It's saying, well, you tried something new and it didn't work. And we know there's a popular phrase today. We talk about it often on our Innovating Innovation with Game Changers series, it's fail fast, fail often, and then damn it, come back again and do it a little differently and hope you find that nugget, that key to some kind of success, but just keep trying. So to me, this is, well, we're talking, we're thinking, we're looking forward, and it's not always going to work out. Do you agree with that, Bill? It just isn't going to always happen, right? Absolutely. And, and Bonnie, even more important, if it doesn't work out, there's probably something, something to be learned from that failure. So you can use that as building blocks and you just keep pushing forward. You keep moving forward. You may have to tack and turn a little bit as you progress, but the, the key there is you keep pushing forward. 
Thank you very much, Bill. Pleasure to have you back on. Nice to hear your voice. And now let's circle back to Mr. Larry Stoley. I'm going to ask each of you where you're calling from today. We are live, by the way. It's September 13th. No, it's not a Friday. It's a Tuesday, so we're safe. I don't know what the word for fear of 13 is, but it doesn't apply today. Don't worry. Larry, where are you? What are you drinking? Now, Larry, you've done so many Game Changers shows over the past year or two, and I'm wondering, do you have a brand new drink you want to share with us? Or talk to me, Larry. No, Bonnie, it gets boring, doesn't it? I'm just drinking my same old black Folgers coffee. However, uh, as I said last time, I've got a new coffee cup that keeps things very, very hot for very, very long. It's the Yeti. It's the Yeti, yes. now I am doing this show sitting in my office, sitting in the easy chair instead of at the desk. So my cup is sitting on a little stand by the chair. So that's what's different with me today. Well, it's not what you're drinking. It's how your your posture as you're drinking it, Larry. Very interesting. <laughs> Do you put anything in your folders, by the way? Any cream or sugar or anything? Absolutely not. That way I can un, be unbashful when I ask somebody to get me a cup of coffee. I, they don't have to doctor it to bring it to me. Very interesting. And by the way, uh, in my where I come from, we call that high test. Anybody yeah, remember absolutely. high test? High test gasoline. I know, I know. There's no point I, in the other. I, absolutely. My my mechanic recently told me that I don't have enough mileage on my car and things are starting to say, what? She doesn't use me enough. So he said, hey, I got to get on the road more in my cute little sports car and I have to up it from mid gas to high level gas. I got to go back to the, the high powered expensive stuff, even though I only fill up about once a month because I don't go anywhere. But when I go, I go in style. Chet Harder, where are you? What time is it? And what are you drinking or what are you thinking about drinking later? Well, today I happen to be in my home office up until the end of this call. And at that time, I will then be going on to Lansing for a meeting with some colleagues to talk about a strategy for the future of the automotive industry and where OEMs will be in 10 years. Very interesting, I think. However, um, yes, this morning I'm, I'm in my home office. And... Uh, and, and, you know, as Larry's talking about his typical Folgers type of thing, I, I, I'm very similar. I, you know, I, I'm not somebody to go buy expensive coffee. I, I, I pretty much stick with the uh, kind of the, the normal bland stuff, although I do throw a little cream and sugar into it. Uh, but today's an unusual day. Today's an unusual day. Uh, today I have a special coffee blend that I found recently. That's a, uh, it's a cherry-flavored coffee. Mm. And what's the occasion? The occasion is my wife isn't here. And, uh, <laughs> wait, wait, oh, oh, hold on a minute. That is such a loaded statement. But go ahead, I digress. Go ahead. Uh-huh, I know. I, 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 <laughs> I, I, I can play a straight man here. Uh, no, the, you know, I, I normally drink just the regular Folgers with a little cream of sugar. But, however, uh, a couple of months ago, I found a, a local coffee shop that did have a cherry-flavored uh, coffee. And, I, and as much as I'd like to say, and that's a, a Michigan thing, you know, Michigan heart of the automotive industry and all that type of thing, um, because we had the Cherry Festival in Traverse City and all that. But the bottom line is I just like it. I just like it. It's a, it's a nice change-up from the norm. It's not overbearing. It's, uh, it's very delicate. Uh, well, what does you know, it taste nice. like? It, it, do you put anything in it, or does it have a, a cherry edge to it? Is it like a fruity coffee, or what does it taste like? No, it's not, I wouldn't say it's fruity. It's just a, 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 it's probably a good way to put it, a cherry edge to it. And I still put a little bit of cream and sugar into it, but it's, it's like throwing a little cinnamon into your coffee, but it's, it's a little bit of a mm. cherry, you know, essence of cherry, if you will. It smells different. It fills the house with a nice, uh, with a nice smell, and uh, 
And it's just it's a, it's a nice change up. And once again, I I only do this when my wife isn't in town, which isn't very often. So today is a very special day for the fact I get to drink my cherry coffee. Well, I appreciate that, and I just looked it up and found there's such a thing as chocolate cherry coffee from New York Gourmet Coffee, and there's something called cherry vanilla coffee also from New York Gourmet Coffee, and there is actually something called the Cherry Espresso Bar in New Orleans. We're all going to have to get on a get on a plane and go there and have some cherry coffee. There you go. Dark chocolate cherry, 8 o'clock coffee that used to be the uh, 8 o'clock, I think, was the A&P brand. I don't know who's doing the brand now that A&P folded, but that's another another show. Thank you very much, Ted. Pleasure to meet you. Otto Shell, you're not in Germany today. Where are you, and what are you drinking today, Otto? Yeah, I'm in, uh, in Detroit at the moment, and I'm drinking usually my black coffee, but I understand what uh, Chet was talking about, because I, even if I like black, I love this Michigan cherry. And the reason why, it's similar to what we are doing in our daily life. It, when you take it into your nose, it's kind of sweet, but when you take the taste, it's not sweet at all. But it gives you the flavor of you had something inside and uh, normally I don't like this blends I like straightforward but this gives a very very nice experience for coffee drinkers as I said it smells different and it really tastes and uh, you can also drink it cold I like also cold coffee Okay, yes, I've learned to drink cold coffee, and I've learned to put a little bit of uh, ice and agave syrup into it, Otto, and and, uh, shake it up in a blender with just a couple of ice cubes, put a little bit of 1% milk in cold, good, good, rich, dark coffee, and it makes a delightful, I don't know, iced something or other. I don't know what anybody, Starbucks or, or anybody would call it, but I've taken to like that, but you know what I'm not drinking today. We'll get to that in a minute. Bill Powell, where are you, and what are you drinking? Hey, Bonnie, so I'm, I'm talking to you from our headquarters in uh, beautiful South Jersey, New Jersey. And in my, uh, typically, I'm very much like Chad. Typically, uh, I have a black coffee, a little cream, a little sugar is my, is my usual gig in the morning. Um, however, since this is fall and it's one of my favorite times of the year, we have a chain of uh, convenience stores, Wawa, up on, up on mm-hmm. down the East Coast. And sure. uh, they come out uh, around this time of year with a pumpkin spice coffee. So on the way into work, I typically swing into one of the local Wawa stores and pick up a cup of that, and it's just absolutely fantastic. I remember Wawa. I lived in New Haven, Connecticut many, many years ago near the campus of Yale. And I remember we had a Wawa, and we used to stop by. This is way back in the dark ages. Uh, we used to stop by in the evening if we needed anything. It was a convenience store with coffee and beverages. And they now have, oh, my goodness, uh, be still your heart, Bill. Buy one, get one free. Wawa pumpkin spice K-cups. Did you know that? Uh, There's some uh, on my desk I'm staring at right now. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Okay. We're all together. It's store.wawa.com, and you can see all about it. It's got a beautiful picture here, too. Bill, thank you very much. Uh, Larry knows. Otto knows. Chet doesn't know, and Bill probably forgot. They don't let me have caffeinated beverages on radio show days. Wonder why. Uh, uh, So I have cool, clear water in a cool, clear cup, and usually I have a cool, clear straw, but I picked a green straw for today because we're talking about the automotive industry. We're talking about progress and moving forward and best practices, and that leads to the bottom line. How will the industry stay afloat or keep those wheels moving? It's got to be profitable. So we're going to be talking today with our wonderful panel about the conference coming up in October, and we're going to be talking about... Oh, accelerating business in the automotive industry in the digital age. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You'll have about 60 seconds to take a sip of something good, and we'll be right back. Justin, out.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. SAP is excited to be a co-innovator with the automotive industry as we help automotive and related companies digitally transform their entire industry and disrupt their existing business models. The Future of Cars with Game Changers brings you insights from the people in the driver's seat who are making this happen. We'll delve into industry challenges and solutions that support ecosystem industries, all to help you succeed in transforming your business and business networks for success in the new digital networked age. Tune in to the Business Channel to hear today's top technology and business strategy thought leaders share expert insights on how the automotive industry is shaping the future of change for all of us. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to the future of cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to the future of cars with Game Changers. Welcome back. The future of cars is right now. As soon as I said the word now, the future happened. Now it's in the past. you got to move fast with this group. We're talking with Larry Stoley and Chet Harter at SAP, Otto Shell at GM, and Bill Powell at ARI. We're talking specifically about an upcoming conference that's happening in Detroit. It's called the Best Practices Automotive. It's going to be October 17th through 19th. Larry, in a few minutes, will tell a little bit about the logistics of the conference and what's going to happen and what you can expect if you're attending. And I don't know if there's still any seats left, but Larry will tell us in a minute. But we want to talk about what's happening in the automotive industry, where everything is happening. Uh, so we're going to start off the roundtable with some notes from Chet Harder. We've already talked about big change. Let's talk about community. Um, Chet says, having an automotive event is past due in addressing pent-up demand. So why automotive? Why don't you tell us what this community concept is of the automotive industry? Who's part of that community today? Chet, go ahead. Tell us a little bit about it. Uh, well, from my perspective, uh, you know, I, I, before I joined SAP, I was, I was part of the automotive industry. I worked for a couple of major automotive tier one companies in a uh, operations and materials type of capacity. And, uh, and one of my observations has been that, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier in the broadcast, while there certainly is feeling out there that the automotive industry is going someplace different, and there's a, there are a lot of things that are happening, whether it be within the manufacturing area itself or how vehicles are being used today. There are a lot of changes out there. Everyone agrees that there's some, some dramatic changes between now and, and, say, 10 years from now. Uh, and we need to get from point A to point B. And I think that's a big part of, the, of, of what this conference is, is about, is talking about where is the automotive industry going and what can we do today, tomorrow, next year to get us going down that path. However, aside from the big changes that are on the horizon, mm-hmm. I think that possibly if you look at the recession of, two, of the 2008 time period, there are a lot of things that are out there that have happened where you have a lot of people who are materials people, they're people in sales capacities, they're people in product engineering. There's this whole automotive world out there, and, it, and it's, it's kind of a very close world. You know, it, you know, if you look out there at people's resumes, you see a lot of people who go into automotive very early in their career, and they stay in automotive. They might go to two or three or four different companies, but they stay in automotive. They feel like, I know automotive, I'm comfortable with automotive, I'm an automotive guy, and they stay there. 
But I think because times have been tough in the past and they're much better today, I think there's a lot of pent-up demand. People are saying, I don't want to go to a generic manufacturing conference. I don't want to go to a generic IT conference. I want to go to something that's automotive where I can listen to automotive topics with automotive people. And I think we saw that, uh, we saw the results of that last year. We saw the enthusiasm of a lot of people who maybe for whatever reason don't go to some of the other major events we have around the world or, or, you know, in Florida or Las Vegas or whatever, but right here in Detroit, it's close. I can go to it. Uh, I can be home at night. I don't have flights for a lot of the people who attend. Um, you know, but the, but the bottom line is they're attending with a lot of automotive people and they sit there and their gears turn. They learn new concepts and they talk. And where you see this is not only in the sessions, but also in the reception area for last year. And one of the things that I thought was most noteworthy was here you fill up a room with exhibitors, of course, and that type of thing, but it's automotive people. And because of that, the decibel level, the sound levels in the room were very high. I've been to conferences before where there's, you know, a few people meandering around quietly, then they leave to go take phone calls or look at their phones or whatever. Last year we had, you know, a few hundred people in this room, and it was loud. They weren't leaving the room. They were loud. And whether they were talking business or personal mm-hmm. things or reacquainting with, uh, you know, old colleagues or whatever, it was, it was a great time to be with a, a big group of automotive people. Now, I'm going to thank you, Chad. I'm going to circle back around to Larry sitting at the other side of the or next to Chad and around the table there. Larry, I'm, I'm looking at the term in Chad's notes, automotive practitioner. Who is an automotive practitioner? That's question number one. And I'm going to go around the table and get everybody's point of view on this. The second thing is we talk about I sense that most of them are car guys. Have women come into the forefront of the automotive industry? So, Larry, I'm going to hit you with those two questions. Who is today's automotive practitioner? What does that mean? And what's the the gender balance or imbalance in the field? Uh, Loaded question, Bonnie. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I'll I'll be as honest as, as, as I can be. When we talk about practitioners, typically what we really see at this conference, we, we see two levels of people. We see decision makers, and decision makers typically are people in the line of business. They are the folks tasked with producing product. They are the folks tasked with selling product. They are the folks tasked with services associated with those products. Those are the line of business decision makers. They don't care how. They just care that they need to do something and get it done for me. Then we find another level of people. These are more closely aligned with the true definition of practitioner. These are the people who get things done. Uh, so we see you know, a, a mix of line of business decision makers. We see a mix of a fairly healthy mix of practitioners, people who use systems, who use processes, who use concepts as part of their day-to-day bread-and-butter activities that they do to assure the success of business. And, you know, the, the other side of it, we do have IT folks there. I mean, make mm-hmm. no mistake, I, IT doesn't make business decisions, but they're extremely important in executing the, the, the path forward for a line of business. So now to the question, the loaded part. What's the yes. mix of, of uh, the gender mix, if you will? You know, the, the auto industry is, a, is an old industry, uh, and it, it was a man's industry, and it's still, to a large degree, a man's industry. But we're seeing huge, huge growth of, of the female side of this business. They, they bring different insights. They bring different points of view. They bring different skill sets. 
They bring a lot of the same skill sets or better skill sets than men do. So the, the growth is there. It's, uh, it's slowly, surely, and steadily increasing to, you know, we're not to parity yet, but uh, that's not all that far away, I don't think, either. If you look at General Motors, uh, Otto's yes. company, Mary Barra. Mary Barra. You know, yep. she's right there. Um, so it, it's coming, it's evolving, and, you know, I think it's, it's a good thing for us guys, who, old guys who have been in the business for a long time. It's like, uh-oh, what is this? So, you know, it's, it's change, but it's, uh, it's working out well. And like I said, we've turned the corner, and uh, I think we're doing things smarter and better than we have, and some credit has to go to, uh, you know, the gender mix as well. I think so. By the way, women hold uh, 26.7% of jobs in the U.S. motor vehicle and motor vehicle equipment manufacturing industry. Uh, 21.2% of automobile dealers are women. 7.3% of automotive repair and maintenance employees are women. And yes, in 2014, Mary Barra became CEO of General Motors in the U.S. and the first woman to run a major automaker. Yes, absolutely. Otto, what's your thought about the community? Who's part of this big community we're talking about getting together? And, and in, in essence, the, the global automotive community are they everybody and anybody who touches a car part at somewhere or, or works on a car or or sells a car or draws a car or uh, rides in a car who's part of this community exactly what you just described everybody you know the people which mm-hmm. are uh, really in the, the back end processes like uh, financial process where you see a lot of movement going on there are people in the procurement uh, services uh, you will see people maybe also out of hr but it's all about because uh, the, the car is an end-to-end service it's an end-to-end mobility there will be people this time also from an um, after sales perspective to ensure that parts and delivery is connected so this is a, it's a huge community and uh, i think well, i missed larry's word which he normally word which is normally using when we talk about it's passion. I think the people you will see are passionate on two sides. Passion on talking about digitalization, process automatization, see really how you can connect data from a, from a, not only from a product, product perspective, but also from a consumer perspective. On the other side, with new technology emerging, how you can run this really in the way that it's touchless. It's uh, many automated and not this time, but I think next time when we will get together, the next evaluation will be about uh, how can we use artificial intelligence inside, outside the car. So complete mix, patient people, and quite honest, I'm not looking from a gender perspective. Um, there will be a lot of people with different capabilities, and what we need is capabilities. Thank you. Well put, Otto, as always. And let's turn to Bill Powell. What, Bill Powell, how do you, from your perspective at ARI, how do you see this community? Who's in it? Agree or disagree with what we've been saying? I, I agree, Bonnie. Uh, when I came out there last year, I wasn't, quite frankly, I wasn't sure what to expect. Mm-hmm. Was it going to be more automotive? Was it going to be more IT? Was it going to be vendors, manufacturers? And, and to my delight, it was a little bit of everything. Right? You have the, the C-levels that are out there, obviously, to understand what's going on, to understand the trends in the business and where things are going to be tacking and turning in the future. You have the, uh, the people that hold the purse strings, right? the, the people that are running the budgets and the projects that, uh, that uh, have ultimate responsibility for the execution of, the, of these various projects, and they're out there to really understand and get information about what, what this uh, technology or what this new um, uh, piece may bring to the table for their organization. And then you have the domain experience, 
and domain experts that are out there. Uh, people that are giving the, the pre, not only the ones that are giving the presentations and the panel discussions, but also the, almost everyone out there is, is in some form or fashion a, a domain expert. Uh, there's a lot of interaction, a lot of going back and forth, a lot to learn. So it's, I think that to sum it up, uh, it was a little bit of everything, everything from the sea levels to the domain experts to obviously there's an IT presence out there, and it's not the typical IT presence that, uh, that you would normally expect. It's more the IT people that are more tightly aligned to the business, the, I don't want to say data scientists, but the data analysts, the people that understand all right, for telematics and for tele, this telemetry information that's coming in and for these new products and services that are being developed, this is how you stitch all that information together to align to what the objectives are. So it's, it, was, it was quite exciting. Thank you very much, Bill. Hey, Bonnie. appreciate that. Yes, who's that? Bonnie, Jeff? Um, Something I'd like to pile on to what everyone is saying here and, and, and thinking about what is this community. And, I, I, and last year, one of the things that we, we really tried to do with this conference was to was to make it very educational, um, make it enlightening, make it thought provoking, and uh, and part of that was uh, at, at the end. I think we were we, we did a very good job of this because we had. Certainly, you know, as an SAP guy, we had a lot of SAP customers there because we have a lot of SAP customers in the automotive industry. But we also had a very good contingent there of people who were not SAP customers, people with competitive types of systems and that type of thing who attended and got a heck of a lot out of the conference. Because once again, it wasn't like an SAP product conference. It was talking about the trends in the industry, some of the things we're doing in the industry, what, what what a lot of automotive companies are doing in the industry. So I, I think that's, and, and that certainly is, uh, is part of what this year is about as well, is creating an automotive conference, not an SAP conference. Thank you. Ver- point very, very well taken. I appreciate that. And speaking of that, Larry, I'd like to have you talk to us a little bit about the keynotes. I'm looking at the list of, uh, that you sent me, and I find five very interesting companies. If you could just elaborate a little bit. we talk, You're talking about Robert Bosch Corporation, Will, WHIL Concepts, Local Motors. Here are the two that really piqued my interest, Larry. Homeland Security and Uber. Wah, wah, wah. Talking about wah, wah. Talk to me. Larry, what is Homeland Security doing at a conference on automotive best practices, and how did Uber get a foot in the door? That I'd love to hear. Larry? All right. So, so that, that's a very good question. And, and, you know, when we look at people to do keynotes for these events, we want to bring something that's thought-provoking. We want to really get into the thought leadership and so on. So why Homeland Security? One of the things that uh, Homeland Security brings to us is the fact that security is important. As you know from our previous radio shows, we've talked about security and the the necessary uh, evil that it is, if you will. And I say evil just because it's hard. Uh, And as we connect more and more and more things from cars to companies to infrastructures to cities, you know, that security becomes increasingly more important. And when you think about the dependence of our economy, of our nation and, you know, all of us who are in this great country of the United States, uh, security is a a very important topic, hence Homeland Security. The other other interesting thing is is Uber. Um, If you notice the gentleman who's who's, going to join us from Uber is Chris Velasic. Chris Velasic made the news a couple of years ago in 2015, March, I think, when he took over a Jeep. Hacked into it, took it over. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Great news. Uh, yep. And, you know, it also pointed out tremendous vulnerabilities that, uh, you know, we don't have to be afraid of. 
we just have to recognize and deal with. So he, he had that episode in March of 2015. Uh, he is a technology person at Uber working on exactly what he did, preventing takeovers, preventing hacking, working on security. Guess what? This year, about three months ago, he did it again. He took another Jeep. This time he took greater control of it. And, uh, you know, it's just wonderful to hear his perspective about how do you secure things. And keep in mind, it's not just a car anymore. It's a node on a network. It's much bigger than just the person or the car or the smartphone or whatever. It's a piece of an infrastructure. It's a piece of other vehicles. It's a piece of smart cities and smart infrastructures. So he's going to be talking to us about the things he goes through, the things he thinks about. And the whole idea of the keynotes is not to tell you how to do things, but to put thoughts in your mind that you have to rationalize and think through as you go about your job. Oh, I never thought about that. Wait a minute. What about this? That's what those things are all about, Homeland Security and Uber in this case, more about uh, you know, the, the security and hacking issues that we may or may need to face in terms of connected vehicles. Thank you, Larry. I bet he's going to be a big draw. Let me turn to Otto. Otto, I'm looking at your notes here, and you have some interesting things I mentioned earlier in the show. We have a little bit of time left. So talking about digitalization, cyber computing, omni-channels, and what I'd like to talk about with you, Otto, is new players interacting in existing markets and disrupting existing businesses. Are those players people like Uber? Are those players people like uh, the, the connected car gurus and the visionaries? Who are the new players coming in and, and turning things on their end, Otto? I think the dimensioned ones are those um, everybody knows, everybody's aware on, and uh, they are in discussion of, of all this. But there are different ones. Yeah, I think in one of our last uh, radio shows, I mentioned uh, German Post in Germany, which just acquires a company from a university, and they produce around about 2,000 electrocars uh, with very simple setup 3D and the battery. Yeah, so <clears throat> there are more and more who who can use new technology but much simpler. Yeah? They have not to to wait for hundred years of uh, evolution uh, with all the things around about. So there are more disruptors. Um, do you see them really? Do they hit the, the big OEMs? We we may not know, but of course they will give some headache in sense of how can we get into this business. And the reason why I think it's important to understand this is um, that when you really want to go into this, this future thinking of autonomous driving, the different OEMs have somehow to connect to each other because otherwise uh, if they use different protocols, the cars will never flow in a row. If they are not connected to cities, uh, you cannot really control traffic and 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 So I think... Uh, when we are talking disruptive, this is in a positive way thinking, how can we work also each other to make this kind of vision happen? Thank you very much, Otto. Uh, Bill, any comments you want to make on the, the, the disruptors? Anything from your point of view at ARI? Who would be most exciting for you? I think what's most exciting for, for, for us or for the fleet business is uh, that the holy grail of all this is really trying to get better understanding of what's going on behind the wheel so that you can make better, uh, we can help our customers make better decisions to, to drive down their TCO, the total cost of ownership, and ultimately to make that driver uh, safer. 
So the, the ability to understand what's going on behind there is, um, has been very subjective over the last, uh, I would say, four or five years ago into the past. And, and now with the um, invention or the, uh, I guess, the more common place of telematics and other uh, technology that's being uh, introduced into vehicles, you're, you're seeing that come to light where now all of a sudden you're getting feed, you're getting more tactical information about the driver and about the asset and, and silver equipment and so on and so forth, where you can make these critical decisions. You can start stitching together and starting to see patterns that you couldn't see before. And having, um, having these uh, various companies at, at this forum, these domain experts as we call them, uh, to, uh, to describe what it brings to the table is, is extremely beneficial. You know what? I'm on the website, and I'm scrolling through the speakers, and I see two very familiar pictures. I'm seeing Otto Shell is on the speaker list, and I'm seeing that Bill Powell is on the speaker list. Larry, are you going to be a speaker this year, or Chet? Uh, Chet and I are going to do the MC work at, on the stage. So, yeah, we'll be visible. You betcha. And you know what? I will be invisible. And in that what our panelists may not know here today, Bill, is that you and I, Larry, you and I cooked up a deal where I'm going to be here in New York and I'm going to be interviewing almost, oh, is it 30 or 40 of your thought leaders at the conference remotely? We're going to be doing little five-minute mini interviews and then we're going to post them on the Future of Cars with Game Changers landing page here at World Talk Radio so everybody can hear some of the excitement. I think that's pretty exciting, don't you, Larry Stolle? I, I, I do. I mean, 30 or 40, I'm not sure what the number will be. I'm excited about the, the interviews. I'm not so excited about hurting the cats, but uh, uh, <laughs> we, we, I've got a couple of helpers to, get, to help me get that done. So, yes, this is, this is significant. I mean, you know, we talk about on this show right here, we're talking about our observations and our thoughts. What more important observations and thoughts will come from those five-minute interviews? It's, it'll just be unbelievable. I think so. I'm, I think it will be, too, and I'm looking forward to working with you remotely. And, and, Larry, I would love for you to give a little bit of details now. We've saved uh, the best for last. Where is it? When is it? How do people get involved? Are there any seats left? Is it too late? I know you're having a sign-up special. No, we're not selling anything, kids, out there in the audience. We're just talking about a really cool conference where all four of my panelists are going to be, and I'll be there remotely as well. So, Larry, how do people find out? And, by the way, the, the website is Best Practices, Best Practice Conference. Conferences, bestpracticeconferences.com slash auto, and that's how you find it. So, Larry, what's the deal? How do people get involved? So, it, it, it's very, very simple. The event itself is in Detroit, Michigan. You know, you can, you can easily understand why Detroit is important to us. Uh, we're at the MGM Grand Hotel Casino in downtown Detroit on 3rd Street. Um, very easy to get to from anywhere in, in the Detroit area, from any of the major highways, interstates, and so on, just probably 25, 30 minutes from the airport. Uh, the event itself will kick off on October 17th. We will have two jump start sessions. We'll talk about uh, vehicle insights. We'll talk about the uh, uh, roadmap that SAP has for its automotive solutions. Uh, the event proper will kick off on the 18th, Tuesday morning. Um, we'll have keynotes, and then we'll break out into very uh, important track sessions. Day one will cover finance, manufacturing and engineering, supply chain, and IT. Um, we will close that with a keynote from Will Concepts. Will Concepts is an HR company, and mm -hmm. they basically tell you, you know what, 
everything we're talking about, transformation, it's stressful. It's hard on your employees. And we'll hear from Joe Burton, the founder and CEO of Will Concepts, about understanding that and, and working with your employees to keep that stress level down as businesses transform. And then on day two, the 19th, which is Wednesday, we'll have a couple of other uh, keynotes. We'll have Corey Close here from Local Motors. And again, we talked about uh, Mark Weatherford from Homeland Security and Chris Velasic from Uber. We'll have track sessions again, sales service and after sales. We never want to forget that you know somebody's got to sell these things or the services that they, they enable. We'll talk about change in people. Uh, we'll talk about supply chain in a little bit different way, in a little more detail. And we'll come back to IT uh, again because that's, that's so foundational in everything that we change or evolve in. So two and a half days, keynotes on the 17th, conference itself on the 18th and 19th. We will also have sponsor exhibits, SAP exhibits, uh, in an exhibit hall next to the keynote hall. Uh, we will have breakout sessions like I talked about, the track sessions and so on. We'll do the radio interviews with Bonnie. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have some press there. We'll have a whole plethora of analysts there covering our event, rubbing elbows with customers and uh, potential prospects or, as Chet mentioned, automotive people who don't always have SAP. That's okay. And uh, we just look forward to a great Great event again this year. Thank you, Larry. We're almost out of time. I just want to quickly cycle through the panel here. One sentence, Chet Harder. What's your favorite thing you're looking forward to at the Best Practices Automotive? One sentence. Talk to me. I very much enjoy the after-hours receptions with a lot of uh, old friends and colleagues. And probably great cocktails and great wine, I'm guessing. Otto Shell, save me a glass, Chet. Otto Shell, what's your favorite thing you're looking forward to at the conference? One sentence. I'm looking forward to see a lot of energized people and to bring this energy on the street. Oh, I love that. Yes, techno music and all. Thank you. Bill Powell, what are you looking forward to most at the conference? Bonnie, I'm looking forward to the, the networking and also the uh, the panel discussions. Wonderful. And Larry, what are you looking for? What's your favorite part of the conference? One sentence, Larry, and then we're going to end. Well, I, I think Otto said it best. Energy and apply that energy to transforming this business into what people want it to be. Thank you very much. And I'm going to close with Otto Schell's quote selected from the vast work of Pablo Picasso. Action is the foundational key to all success. Everybody's looking for success in automotive. Larry, I think we did a good job of presenting concepts and a little bit about the, the conference. What do you think? We had a good, I do. Good, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm looking forward from here. Good. I, I almost want to get on a plane. I'm not crazy about planes. I want to get on a car and go to Detroit and join you all there, but I think You're I'll welcome. stay here. And, oh, thank you. I think I'll stay here and do the radio thing. Uh, we do have an interesting call to action, my favorite call to action, and you all know what it is. Isn't that interesting, Larry, that for the call to action for all 23 Game Changers series, I chose one that was automotive in intention, fasten your seatbelt. I guess it could have been for the air, air industry, airline industry too, right? And what other industry are we familiar with the seatbelt? It's got to be automotive. Correct? That's correct. 
That's correct. Okay, so all of you listeners out there, thank you for joining us. I have been speaking with Larry Stoley and Chet Harder. By the way, Larry spells his last name S-T-O-L-L-E. If you're looking him up, Larry Stoley and Chet Harder at SAP. Otto Shell at GM, Bill Powell at ARI. They'll all be there. Larry and Chet are hosting, are emceeing, and Otto will be a speaker. Bill Powell will be a speaker. And if you see somebody with a microphone and an SAP radio sign, Larry, you better have a radio sign. You might run up and say, I want to talk to Bonnie. I want an interview. Maybe we could even add a few ad hoc. So here is finally my call to action. And, Larry, thanks for putting together always a great panel. Thank you, Justin, and the Business Channel team for getting us on the air. I am Bonnie D. Graham, and here is my finally call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. See you in Detroit, y'all. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to The Future of Cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.